Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. A down day, but stocks are holding close to records. We've got 13 minutes to go ahead of the close here. S&P down two points at 2437, a drop there of one-tenth of one percent. Dow Industrials down 12 to 21,193. Uh, that is a drop of about one-tenth of one percent. Nasdaq lower by six to sixty-two ninety-nine, down one-tenth of one percent. Gold little changed higher by one-tenth of one percent, up a dollar sixty the ounce to twelve eighty-one. The tenure down five thirty seconds, the yield there two point one eight percent. And crude oil forty-seven thirty-eight a barrel on West Texas Intermediate, down six tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, Charlie. Thank you very much. Charlie Pellet. It is time for the Bloomberg ETF report brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit BlackRock.com slash factors prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. Here with the Bloomberg ETF report, Bloomberg's Catherine Cowdery. Look for an increasing pace of M&A activity in the asset management industry over the next few years. That's a word from Bloomberg Intelligence. The reason? BI says companies will be pursuing the scale that's needed to meet investor demand for cheaper products as the fee wars escalate. Bloomberg Intelligence Analyst Eric Balchuna says one of the ways to bet on this trend is with the ETF that focuses on the rapidly growing exchange-traded fund industry. This is the only one that's really, really heavily weighted towards companies with big passive games, everybody from the um, BlackRock to Wisdom Tree, those companies are on occasion in other ind- indexes, but they're usually not given that high of weighting. So it's weighted based on the, how much ETF passive gain they have. And that ETF, by the way, is off to a big start. Valtuna says the ETF industry exposure and financial sectors ETF, ticker TETF, has outperformed the broader financial sector since it was launched. It's gained 2.5% over the past month as the financial select sector spider fund has fallen six-tenths of a percent. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets with Carol Messer and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. Alan Zafran, Senior Managing Director and Wealth Manager of First Republic Investment Management. I know you're a man that knows the words to this song. And why are we talking about some liking it hot and turning up the heat till we fry? Well, Carolyn, I could say it's because you're from the U.K., and as we know, Robert Palmer was as well. But uh, <laughs> what it really deals with is the fact that uh, the markets are heating up. And one of the funny things about this environment is everybody's a winner. You could be long stocks are making money. You could be long bonds are making money. You could be long gold and you're making money. The question is, as it gets hotter and hotter, do you stay fully invested or do you spread it out and diversify and Hedge your bets a little bit. That's well, the question. Well, uh, markets are hot in in many different asset classes. Um, so is it in a good way, though, or is it overheated in a not-so-good way, then? I would argue it's a little bit overheated, but not excessive. I wouldn't say we're anything close to that magic word bubble. But there's a little bit of a divergence between what I'd call soft data, which are things like PMI surveys and consumer and business confidence uh, reports, versus Hard data, things like what's going on with vehicle starts or housing stocks or, 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 frankly, the labor force participation rate. And all evidence, the hard data is saying things are a little better, 
but they're not as excessively good as some of these confidence surveys would dictate. And so the question is, maybe expectations are just a little bit ahead of reality. What will be your turning point, do you think? I mean, Adam, what are you looking for to signal to the market that things have gone too far, too fast and need pulling back? Well, you'd really have to see either valuations run up excessively beyond where we where where they're reasonable. Probably have not seen that yet, or you'd have to see that some of the earnings growth that we've witnessed slows down a bit, or as we're starting to see, if we see the yield curve increasingly flatten, that's typically a precursor to significant slowdown in economic growth. So, we're starting to see some evidence of some data slowing a bit. It's not enough to cause a red alarm, but it is enough to take caution and realize that there's a, there's an argument to be a little more prudent and circumspect with regard to your assets. What's the biggest risk to asset classes right now? Well, the biggest risk would be some kind of exogenous shock that we obviously can't see to, to cause economic havoc. One thing that people are not necessarily focused on is the Shibor index, which is sort of the equivalent of the Fed funds rate in China, has gone up by 200 basis points um, over the last year. China is tightening. China is the second largest economy in the globe, and it actually affects the European markets, Caroline, you know, even more than the U.S. market. If China's growth rate slows meaningfully, that's going to have significant repercussions back to Europe and ultimately the U.S. And I don't think people or as focused on that as they arguably should be, particularly if the emerging market index is up already 18% year-to-date. A third of that emerging market index ties back to China and Taiwan. And so, you know, again, uh, big economic slowdowns in major countries have repercussions globally, and that would probably be the biggest risk out there. They're the biggest risks. What about the risk to perhaps not being overheated. I mean, how long can this bull run last? I mean, at the moment, we are shrugging off dramatic terror attacks in the United Kingdom. We're, to a certain extent, shrugging off can geopolitical risks in the GCC and in, in the Gulf area. You know, it's hit the Middle Eastern stocks, but not much else. What, what if we do continue to see this just bl- ignorance almost of it? Well, again, just maybe I'm coming off a little too negative. I don't know if it's ignorance. I, I can make you a pretty bullish case. Economic momentum, there's some of it. We've certainly seen earnings growth come off of a bottom from several quarters ago, particularly in the U.S. and in Europe. To the degree you believe that personal or corporate tax rates may be lowered in the U.S., let alone some repatriation of capital from abroad coming back into this leads to further share buybacks, increases in dividends, and more M&A activity. Um, you could argue there's plenty of upside still to go. And, in fact, um, there's still some evidence that individual investors have not fully embraced this bull market nearly as much as you would expect. So markets can melt up, and I would argue we're not anywhere near that melt-up phase yet. We're just in a world of very fully valued asset prices. There's less cushion or for error, but it doesn't mean you couldn't move up meaningfully more before things uh, stop themselves. And that's what makes it a conundrum right now. It is. It's a, it does make it, it does often feel like it is different this time around. I hate to kind of use that phrase or overuse it, but it, it does feel a little bit different. You do go back to China, and because I feel like Alan. You know, I think about what happened over the weekend, another terrorism uh, incident. Caroline knows about this in London. Um, You know, we had the Middle East and Qatar overnight. Like, it seems like investors can be thrown an awful lot of things their way, and they just seem to be pretty resilient in dealing with one thing. But China is, and you're not, like the second or third person who said, you know what, we're not paying enough attention to China right now. That seems to be the big kind of if factor, if you will, out there. 
I, I would agree. It's a, it's a meaningful problem, particularly when you get into the situations in the past when there is a sell-off. U.S. assets tend to outperform. There's a flight back into the U.S. dollar as a safe, uh, safe haven currency. When you own emerging market stocks or bonds like those in China, you're not only getting hurt by the drop in the asset value, but you're hurt also by the translation in currency back to the dollar. And so you're playing a little bit with fire when you're in those emerging markets when things go wrong. So that's the challenge is it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. When those asset prices fall, they tend to fall more sharply than U.S. assets, which is why all things equal, kind of a modest tilt, a little more to the U.S. at this point probably is prudent. You might not make as much on the upside, yeah. but should it, if things fall, you're a little bit more defensive. Alan, 20 seconds, so that investment advice uh, to uh, our listeners at this point, just quickly. Yeah, it's like beating a, an old dog here. <laughs> Stay diversified. Don't push too hard. A slight tilt to the U.S. means you'll get enough of the upside. If things go well, you'll get hurt less if and when things fall a bit. All things equal, stocks are still better positioned than bonds. But uh, stay diversified. Spread your risks. Alan Zafran, thanks. Nice to have you back with us. Senior Managing Director, Wealth Manager at First Republic Investment uh, Management, $44.6 billion. In assets under management on the phone from Menlo Park, California. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. Caroline Hyde in our London bureau. Carol Master in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. We're going to check on the closing numbers just moments away. 